listening to Law and Gospel right now on Rumination Thursday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me in just a moment. How are you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing real fine. We've got quite a commotion here. There's hundreds of children in the place right now. It's schools week. Lutheran school week. Yes. I thought they were here getting hired so they don't have to pay so much money for secretaries and such, but <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're too small. <laughs> uh, but precious. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to reconcile with all those children here. Oh, bank statements? Bank statements? You reconcile your bank statements. Oh, oh, oh no. no. That's impossible. You're, you're talking about a different kind of reconciling, huh? Yes. It's the subject <laughs> we're going to be talking about today on this September the 30th. Can you believe that? Well, I, I can't believe it's September the 30th. I can believe it's January 30th. That's right. You know what I was looking at? <laughs> I'm looking at the clock. <laughs> it says 9.30, so I said, oh, September the 30th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be one of those hours, huh? Well, I'll tell you, God works in very strange ways, Wes Reimnitz. Uh, recently, I was preaching, and I do not even look at the reading I'm preaching until the night before. And the reason mm. I do that is because who knows what's going to happen during that day that might change. And so I was doing a reading about Moses being angry with God, and he needed a reconciliation with God. And the night before, I got a phone call from one of our listeners, and all we talked about for about over an hour is reconciliation. And so I was right. able to put it right into the sermon. Well, guess what? It happened again today. I got home last night, and the mail was here. I don't know if you ever read The Connection from Costco. No. No, I guess not. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we belong to Costco, so we get it. It's a... Pretty lengthy magazine, and I like reading it to see the recipes and this kind of thing. Mm. But uh, you'll never guess what they had on page 47, how to do a proper reconciliation. Oh, really? At Costco. And it fits perfectly. Now... You came up with some reconciliation Bible verses. You also sent me some material on reconciliation. Um, give a summary of what you found, and then we'll take a look at this Costco article. Well, what I found on the Internet was a variety of, of method, methodologies or process. They call it process. Yes. Processing of forgiving, process and, and uh, reconciling. You know, like confront the person or take responsibility, confess your wrongdoing, be willing to compromise, make amends, and then work on reconciliation. Those are roughly five steps, but uh, they, it, across the board, it, they use different terminology, 
in doing that that caused me to take a look a little bit in Scripture, and that's why I sent you those Bible verses on reconciliation, yes. reconciling. And it primarily, while it does talk about us reconciling to one another, the majority of those verses dealt with uh, how God has reconciled himself with the world. Now, you said something very important there, because if this was a radio station of another religion outside of Christianity, you would have said, it. Uh, our Bible book tells us how we can get God to reconcile to us. Hmm. You see, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion has a process that you are to follow in order to get God to be reconciled to you. And, of course, it's always based on works. And one of the works is, well, and unfortunately, some Christians are even into this, where you open your heart and invite Christ into your heart, which is ridiculous, because if you're an unbeliever, you don't want Christ into your heart because you're an unbeliever. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that they're telling unbelievers to do something that is totally against their nature. nature. So, yeah, as I looked at that, that whole area of reconciliation, uh, God to us, it kind of reminded me of one of the Psalms where um, God said, you know, he didn't really care for some of the sacrifices we brought yes. before him. That that the cattle on a thousand hills, the sheep on a thousand hills, they're all his to begin with. Right. And, and so you have a apparent contradiction there. If he isn't that interested in the sacrifices that people were making at that time, like when Isaiah was writing, why did he order them to do sacrifices? How do you reconcile well, those two things? Well, for well, most, most getting right to the heart of the issue, he was looking at the heart to see where the heart was. Exactly, for, he was looking at motivation. With, right, you you go to Genesis where uh, God took said to Abraham, Abraham believed, and God credited to him his righteousness. Exactly. In, in other words, the action from God's point of view, is unimportant if you're doing it with a wrong motivation. Right. And, boy, that's why both the northern kingdom were taken into captivity by Assyria and the southern by Babylonia, uh, the Babylons. And the reason for that is because they had lost their faith and they became like Judaism did at the time of Jesus, where they thought that obeying these ceremonial laws is what saved them. Thanking God they're not like a tax collector because I tithe, etc., etc. And they didn't realize that none of their works ever get them right with God. I think that's, that's well said. And therein lies that, that passage. This is the cattle on a thousand hills and the sheep on a thousand hills. They all belong to me. You know, he's looking at the heart and not at what they were doing. Exactly. And because their heart was mismotivated, thinking that thereby they were pleasing God and earning their way to salvation. Here comes Christianity, which says the very opposite, that God in Christ is already reconciled to you. That's the message of the church. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, 
uh, chapter 5, the church is considered to be ambassadors for reconciliation, speaking for God. He's already reconciled to you because of the death of Christ. And the task of the church isn't to get people to get God to be reconciled to them, but instead is to help them to realize he's already reconciled with them and therefore trust in his promises and be reconciled to God. Well said. You know, you said it on an earlier broadcast, I'd say about a month or two ago, you know, we're already reconciled to God and we're, we're, we're in effect good to go good to go out and, and do good works, go, go to go out and speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Not something we have, have to do is in some ways it's like at a worship service, we're leaving the altar clean and going out into the world. Are we not? And telling the good news. Yes. Our good works do come. Good works aren't necessary in the Christian life because you can't be a Christian without doing a good work, such as having faith in Jesus. But the good works do not merit your way to salvation. They instead are a thanking God for having saved you in the cross of Christ and his resurrection. Just the very opposite. I, I got a question for you. Go. I'm a little I'm a little intrigued by this uh, Costco reconciliation. All right, it's a point you had made when we were talking privately, and you just made it again. Motivation is everything, and um, you said you had five steps to proper reconciliation. Costco talks about six steps. Six it, steps. Yes, and, and let me read them. There are six components to any good apology or reconciliation. Number one, an expression of regret, an explanation of what went wrong, an acknowledgement of responsibility, a declaration of repentance, an offer of repair, and a request for forgiveness. And then, here's where so-called science comes in. The more of them you include, the better your odds of mending or preserving a relationship. <laughs> now, how do they know well, they, that? You know what they did? What did they do? They took 700 people and had a irreconcilable situation, and then they were interested in what made apologies more or less effective. And so they had apologies they were doing containing one or more of the key elements. And what they found was, now get this, the more components the apology included, the more effective it was. I, I've seen that. I've seen that in some of the stuff I read that, that you know, the, it's fluid and it's how you get to that. Yes. To, to, but, but you to see, that resolution. do you understand the motivation here? In fact, here's what one of them uh, said, that um, not only empathy and timing are vital elements, but the closer to the offense that you apologize, the more effective it is. Because if you wait too long, it gives the offended more time to stew in that juice 
and makes the apology less meaningful and less effective. And you know what he, mm. what they end up saying? If you follow these steps, then that affects your character in the eyes of others. So a well-crafted mm. apology over a period of time is not just words, but it mends a relationship. Now, here's my simple question. If this is not an example of doing an apology, trying to follow the six steps out of self-interest, I don't know what is. Or uh, can you imagine Jesus using that process talking to the Pharisees? Well, it's, it's really too bad that, uh, unfortunately, Jesus did not have a subscription to Costco Connection, because had he read this article and implemented the steps, he wouldn't have been crucified. Oh, wait a minute. Well. I don't think it would have worked. See, this is what I'm afraid I hear in a lot of sermons, that they say, okay, here's what you need to do, and here's the steps to follow. And they don't recognize that, yes, people will follow these steps, but they're doing it with the wrong motivation. Motivation. Well, could you say that, you know, some of these steps that they talk about, like in Costco, and that may be how they amend one another's relationship with the business, you know, in the secular world, and how they they try to, to uh, make things better versus... Uh, it just isn't going to work when it comes down to a Christian's perspective. Yes, but you see, once they have a scientific reason why these apologies work mm. and people start using them, then they're not doing it out of the interest of the person. They're doing it out of their own self-interest. For example, uh, your wife goes out and she buys a new dress, puts it on, and she says, uh, Wes, uh, how do I look in it? I bet you're going to say something positive. Oh, yeah. You, it's a, a grade from good to great. Oh, my. I tell you, nobody ever looked as beautiful as you do. Oh, right. <laughs> and the reason you and I are saying that is we want to make sure that that night we get our cheeseburger, french fries, and milkshake. Yeah. Yeah, you can manipulate people. And this is what bothers me about these systems. They do analyses as what becomes most effective. And they do it in all kinds of areas until it finally gets into the area of God. How can you be most effective with God so that he's pleased with you? Talk about mm. backwards. He's already pleased with you. And it is that motivation that should move you to do good works, not some kind of system that you are learning in order to keep your self-interest. Well, it kind of goes back to what the old man and the new man, the old man in us, it looks for self-interest and how do we make ourselves right with God and the new man is baptized into into Christ and has a whole different way of looking at things. Yeah, it's kind of like the sacrifices 
uh, both the believer and the unbeliever were doing sacrifices, but God was looking at the motivation. And it's same with reconciliation. If you're following a pattern because it's going to make you look good and you have a better chance. Uh, for example, this one that really bothers me is the closer you are to the offense, uh, the more effective will be the apology. Well, hmm. boy, oh boy, what, what if um, you hadn't realized that you offended somebody and then you're further away from the offense, and so you do apologize, and you have the right motivation, but they're not going to accept it because you're not close to the apology <laughs> or to the <laughs> offense? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the part I like about from a Christian's perspective is you're right there at the cross. Whatever offense that you've had with another person and they with you, you, you take it to the cross. We do that on a Sunday morning when we confess our sins. Yes. Yeah. Now, they, they, they give some examples of how these apologies are really quite ridiculous. And you know where they go? They go to political doublespeak. Mm. And here's the kiss of death for an apology. And they give this example. You know, somebody does something... And people are offended, and they say, I'm sorry if anyone was offended by what I said or did. And the connection makes a really good point. That phrasing completely is empty, conveys a meaning that is both underhanded and cynical, and shows neither empathy nor sincerity. I remember this governor, he had uh, left his wife and gone to somebody, some woman in South America, and that's what he had said. I'm sorry if anyone was offended by what I did. <laughs> he wasn't going to change what he did. Yeah, he's not. No. Yeah, he still kept seeing her. He wasn't sorry for what he did. He was sorry if anyone was offended. So offended, yeah. Guess who is the problem are the people who hear what he did. They're the problem, not what he did. Mm. And God recognizes that. And anytime you try and use a system. Now, the reason we're even talking about this, uh, Synod has a wonderful group of reconcilers that they brought in. And I just so happened to preach that day. And I was making the point that, uh, and you've made this uh, over, over the phone with me, is that... The problem a lot of time in reconciliation is that we are not reconciled to God. And that's what needs to be talked about. And after I did my sermon on that, I, I believe one of the leaders training these reconcilers really thanked me because that's the very point we're trying to make. And I said, well, that's because you're Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it kind of reminds me of a pastor out there that was, had taken over a congregation that had been in, in multiple fights over the years. Uh -huh. And uh, the only way he could see uh, his way around getting them to be at peace is he called the whole congregation to uh, a, 
a service of reconciliation and absolution where they com- the whole congregation confessed their sins. And if they couldn't make it, the elders were doing it on behalf of, yep. of all the members of the congregation. But once it was done, it was over, and he watched it slowly progress in the congregation. A whole new attitude had taken over them where they once fought, now they are at peace. That's a great example, and let me ask you this question. What preceded the gospel? Law. Yes. The law was needed because these people who say, I'm sorry if anyone was offended. No, 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 no. You've got it wrong. God was offended. Offended, yes. Yes. Not by... Because he didn't like, but you were, you're offended because you're not repenting of what is wrong. And repentance is definitely one of the first steps in irreconcilability that one needs to repent of that. I mean, you and I, I'm sure we have this this problem, you know, our... Uh, uh, I I know our wives, and they're always doing bad things, and they won't repent. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute, that's not your wife. No, no, <laughs> don't want to do that. <laughs> no, we better not say that. In fact, that's breaking one of the steps here <laughs> for not taking responsibility. So I'm going to take responsibility for the times that Louise does something wrong. <clears throat> <laughs> See how silly this gets? It's it's just ridiculous. And reconciliation, um, one of the individuals that I was reading in one of the things you sent me, she said, I wish I had learned to pray about this. About this, yeah. Because she wasn't taking it to God. She was taking it to her self-character, her self-interest, and that's why it wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. The the quickest path, I always say, to reconciliation is to the cross of Christ. His blood has redeemed us. There's no doubt about that, but Jesus, I often almost made this point in the sermon uh, here at the International Center, that one of the worst reconcilers in the world was Jesus. (laughs) He couldn't get reconciled with Judas. He couldn't get reconciled with the devil. He couldn't get reconciled with the Pharisees who are unbelievers. Uh, it's, it's amazing he could get reconciled with anybody. But the father still said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because in the reconciliation that you're attempting to do, you are successful not if the reconciliation takes place, but that you use the word of God properly in sharing repentance with the person and also the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. And we don't look at the results or else every pastor is a failure because nobody's growing as much as we wish we were. And when it says he's reconciled the world, it's every person living in it or to, to come to, to, to life until the day that he returns, that reconciliation is is for all. Yeah, it's just sitting there and is available to all, but those who reject it through unbelief, then they're not reconciled to God. And uh, that's going to be a sad day for them on the day of judgment. 
but those who trust the promises of the gospel. And that's all that is what God is looking for, regardless of your level of disobedience, because we're all disobedient. That means that God is not only reconciled to you, but he regards you as reconciled to him, as he did with Abraham in that passage you just said. God credited to him as righteousness. He believed, and God credited to him as righteousness. Show me another religion where the God has done something that ends up you getting credited with righteousness. It doesn't <laughs> happen anywhere. Happened. It only happens in Christianity. And that that's a wonderful, good message. So... I don't know what you're getting ready for next week, but this was a pretty good item that you sent me with the reconciliation verses. And, um, yeah, I, I can understand why you're doing that. I would just uh, have you in my prayers that you and your wife will get reconciled. <laughs> oh. oh, have fun, Tom. Okay. We, we can't go into any more at this point. Uh, the, no. the music is too loud. and. <laughs> No, I tell you, we, we're married to the best women in the world right now. So that's sincerely said. Tomorrow is Open Mic Friday, and you can ask, phone, and ask if you have any questions. I'll try and answer them on Open Mic Friday. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.